You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Buzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Defiance After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Defiance After Show. Tara, thank you. Hey, Bing is for doing, and we are doing another Defiance after show. Uh, sitting to my left, we have, uh, I'm Matt Lieberman. Sitting to my left, yes. we have the uh, delightful Scott Moore uh, and uh, our, our buddy Nando. Yeah, we, 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 we've doubled in population. Uh, I know, yeah, we've doubled in week. population this week. Yeah. And a very special guest, Grant Bowler's here. Thanks, guys. Of Thanks for having me. AKA. I want to hear some cheering. Yeah, let's get. There we go. There we, we got go. our sound effects. Yeah. AKA uh, our dear lawkeeper, Nolan, yes. that we love so much from Defiance. We're so excited to have you. Thank yes, you for thank coming. Thank you for uh, It's good us. to be on. Thanks, fellas, for having me. Yeah. Uh, we had a great episode this week, The Serpent's Egg, episode 105. Uh, you know, Grant, you shot this, what, like maybe eight, nine months ago? I was 14. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, you shot like <laughs> When we shot it, I was, then. I was uh, like Angus Young in ACDC, still in yeah. the school pants. Sure. Um, when did we do this one? It would have been around last August, uh, early September, I'd say. Okay, so yeah. like nine months ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So gestation, you know, mm-hmm. the time it takes for a television show to be uh, conceived and, and delivered or for a serpent's egg mm. to hatch wow. yeah. beautifully put yes. Yes. metaphorical and deliver mm-hmm. a wonderful episode um so it was really exciting this week we got outside defiance for yeah, the first time since the pilot trip. it was great took a little field <laughs> trip <laughs> going on out school there. camp on yeah. the on the on the land coach and we yeah. we got a little sense more of uh, of the world and and how it exists Outside of Defiance, we now know that New York is still standing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Vegas. And Vegas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, although Vegas has changed, and that's going to become more and more apparent. In really? fact, all of these cities, the landscapes have become markedly different. Don't well, spoil the, too much. Yeah, because of the cool. terraforming. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, well, as a New Yorker, I'm really happy that New York is still there. <laughs> so, yeah. Even if it's different. Even if it's different. <laughs> and I think if there was only one thing left on the face of the planet, it'd be New York. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. But it's also a little bit a little bit shady. It's the home of the Earth Republic, mm-hmm. who, as we, we assumed and now really are confirmed in this episode, are not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. Look, we have two major, and I think, you know, we've we've introduced the Votanus Collective uh, last week yeah. um, yep. in, in Ep 104. And then uh, this week, you're right, for the first time. Time we actually meet the Earth Republic face to face, and they're, if you like, the counterpoint. Um, they're our superpowers, uh, you know, in terms of the uh, Soviet Russia and the United States. So, yeah, we've got a good kickoff point there mm. for quite a bit more to come. Oh yeah, I can totally imagine, and uh, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what, when these two corporations are actually fighting for. Uh, I guess defiance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure they're fighting for whatever is in that mine, mm-hmm. whatever is in L7. Which we're, yeah, still yeah, trying we, to find out what's down there. <laughs> we, we have a few clues. Ah. I, uh, the one thing I love so early on in this series is that there are so many wonderful mysteries to mm-hmm. unpack. Uh, but the show is still about the people. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. not, it's not super about the mysteries, but that keeps you going. It, 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 like, it struck such an incredible balance so early 
and it's been really, really pleasant to see. But the relationships are building. And, yeah. and ultimately, yeah. you know, this could be a science fiction show about the future, and you can have all these corporations and all these new races, but ultimately it just goes down to the characters and the relationships yeah, absolutely. between them. Look, yeah. that's something we were really aware of uh, right from the beginning, and it was the thing that attracted me to the show in the first place, was uh, was that, that list of, of characters, and particularly the dynamics. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can come up with this alien looks fantastic and and this you know mm-hmm. this species is like this and and this is what's happened a terrific mythology if you like in science fiction but yeah. for me at the at the end of the day if you couldn't strip all that away do it in everyone's pajamas and it still work then you don't have a show mm-hmm. uh, so it's good to hear you know that uh, that that's that's what's working and and that really is our goal I think um, if we can't recognize our own town and our own you know our own neighborhood in defiance then we're in trouble absolutely well uh talking about relationships we saw uh nolan and amanda's relationship uh inch forward a little bit in in this week's episode you know you're you're both heading out of town uh to transport rin our uh our our irath from the third Mm -hmm. episode and also uh amanda is bringing all basically all of defiance's money uh, to get this maglev spur started without mm-hmm. any help from EREP or the Votanis Collection. <laughs> Sounds a lot like California with the high-speed rail. Exactly. <laughs> it does. And, and there's some political you know, yeah. things that I love about the show, too. There's some analogies there, yeah. and there's also that throwback to the West, you know, of, yeah, the, uh, West. of the rail barons, mm-hmm. you know, could be uh, the Earth Republican and the Votanis mm-hmm. Collective, and, you know, the idea of a city remaining independent, which I'm a huge history buff, and the whole idea of defiance as an independent yeah. city, mm-hmm. sitting in amongst all of these powers, is very 19... 19- 20s through to 1940 mm-hmm. uh, Europe for me. You know, Danzig is an independent city or Switzerland sitting alone there as a little tiny island, you know. Um, or you l- even look at, uh, you know, the territory of uh, Texas or, or the early days of California when, yeah. you know, before they were brought into the Union. That's that tipping point, if you like, for, yeah. for defiance that it's at right now. Yeah, I love that. Just that frontier mentality and being a big history buff too. I really appreciate that, getting those political and other things going on right now. That was great. Well, they're they're fighting to to remain a, f- a free city. They're fighting mm-hmm. to remain autonomous, but we still don't know much about you know what would Erep do if they came in. Um, can you speak to that at all? Like a little bit of, I know I'm a little I'm, bit I'm, of teaser, I know, a little, I'm, I'm getting a little insight, just a I, little. I can't not press I you, know. Grant. Well, I think what we've already learned, and and uh, to my mind at this point, we've learned it mostly from Amanda. Uh, yeah. She seems yeah. to be the, the one who's running this. Tonight's episode, we learned for the first time that Amanda used to work for the e yeah, That's right, right. Which as an is, assistant. Uh-huh. Which is a bit of a revelation. Mm-hmm. And she's obviously left and fled the E-Rep and left New York to come to Defiance. And, and so obviously she has a personal opinion that differs greatly mm-hmm. from their philosophy. You know, uh, I think we've learned already that her fear is that Defiance becomes folded into the E-Rep. Uh, and in losing its its uh, independence, it's going to it's going to lose its opportunity to define itself. That's true. Um, so, you know, we, we have that situation of, like we talked about, of the early territories of, of the USA or, you know, my own country before it was, um, when it was a collection of states, before it became, you know, nationalised, if you like. Do you want to be a part of that? And, mm-hmm. and you know, there's rewards. They'll bring in the maglev. They'll, they'll make the trains run on time. But yeah. are you going to end up with the United States or are you going to end up with uh, Stalinist Russia? Right. Yeah. And that's the big question at the moment. And I think for, for all of us in defiance, 
uh, we, the whole purpose of that town, the naming of the town, the establishment of it, the fights that we've all gone through in order to hold on to this, uh, this place is that we want to be self-defining. Yeah. Wow. And, and Nolan is one of the defiant few, especially, you know, is, is very anti-establishment. You know, there was the, this whole war. He's the wrong choice for a law keeper. He's yeah. Just, uh, he's the worst choice you could ever have because he hates all form of authority mm-hmm. and uh, he hates any kind of structured politics. Yeah. So, yeah, no, he couldn't. He, he, he would be out the second it happened. Yeah. You can guarantee that Arissa mm-hmm. and Nolan would be out the door. Well, it, it, it also, it, when you say that, it led to that great conversation that he had with Daytak Tar in last week's episode, mm-hmm. which I thought was just a great, you know, chess match between you two, where he is kind of educating Nolan that he's not doing his job very well, mm-hmm. but at the same time, Nolan's gaming him right back mm-hmm. in yeah. that trailer. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, well, and it was interesting shooting that because uh, he's right. And uh, it was it was fun to kind of, to shoot the beginning of the series to have him be uh, he's he's got the iron fist. There's no velvet glove. He's very very canny and he's very smart. I kind of look at Nolan. He's he's a fantastic peacekeeper. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you wanted somebody to come in and, and tidy the joint up and then walk straight back out again at the end, he's the perfect choice. But for the guy who tidies the place up and then stays and lives there, he's mm-hmm. a terrible choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, because once there's enough law and order, he would probably be the first guy you got rid of. He's wired up. Yeah. You know, as soon as the town's uh, civilized and nice, mm-hmm. you'd be getting rid of him as fast as humanly possible. Yeah, he's a soldier. He's a town yeah. tamer. Yeah. He's a town tamer. He's not a settler. It's like Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, but in the future. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. I, I can't get enough of that movie whenever it comes on cable anyway. It's no. one of those things where you can't switch yeah. off, so it's perfect. Dude, yeah. I, seriously, I watch it every time it comes on. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here <laughs> first, folks. Grant and Nando and way why? into Roadhouse. Yeah, way into it. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we get out on the road and we, we've got, uh, we've got Rin and we've got this mysterious, uh, preacher, Catholic, mm-hmm. who he was in the, he was in the front compartment when he wasn't supposed to be. And, and you know, it's, it's always the guy that, yeah. that you haven't met yet who seems perfectly yeah. fine, who always just screws things mm-hmm. up for everybody. Isn't that the way though? Yeah. yeah. It's always the way. Always be. the way. Total jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe his little preacher thing for a second. Even though he was just swarmy, even when he said his yeah. name, yeah. when he started quoting the Bible. But I did like to know that we know the Amanda likes scotch now. Yes. Yeah, that's a nice. Uh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah. Well, you remember? Her God. You yeah. remember yeah. our meeting in the pilot, the very first scene? That's she had right. that. She had the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I yeah. like the single. Like that. She barrel. took it away from mm-hmm. you. She's not very generous. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's face it. I mean, how many eps in are we? It's what five eps in, mm-hmm. and I yeah. uh, there's not a peck on the cheek at this point. Uh, that, yeah. that girl, stingy. Well, yeah. hey, hey. By the end of the episode, you were sharing scotch. I managed to get a drink and out of it. Her, right. her well, hair good. was down. I, I saw a hair touch yes. even. And I got to say, I would, love to be, I would love to have a conversation with a woman where uh, group marriage is a topic That's of conversation. Right? You know, it's just right? like perfect, perfect little uh, open relationship type. <laughs> yeah. thing. Don't you find that a little group threatening, marriage. though? It's like, because we're not talking about the kind of Mormon ideal of, you know, one man and several wives. We're talking about being one of three husbands. Yeah. Right? Reverse polygamy. But I actually, yeah. I, like the, yeah. I like the thought that they kind of flipped the script there and had the two husbands. With, uh, I, I liked it politically too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, thought, yeah. That was I good. thought it was really good. I love that. Well, I mean, you know, we were talking earlier that uh, in, in defiance, it's tough to be a guy. I mean, the girls yeah. are just—they're a handful, all of them. Mm. My daughter especially. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if you look at this episode, I mean, I just—I get done over by 
one woman after another after mm-hmm. another after another. I can't wait for the, the trip to be over, frankly. Actually, well, in, most episodes, mm-hmm. in most yeah. episodes. In most episodes, yeah. And then you've also got Stama, Lady Macbeth uh, in the yeah. background. Who is, who uh. is Kik Batowski of all uh. of the girls in Defiance. Yeah, yeah. No, she is, uh, she's an evil one. Uh, right? yeah. I mean, just going back to the last episode of episode four, just that, that closing scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Isn't she so great? So delicious. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, oh my God. And that oh. knitting, by the way, yeah. that, uh, <laughs> that knitting, uh, I remember we were shooting that scene last up late at night uh-huh. and uh, and as often happens you know when you're shooting uh, anything uh, there's about 25 minutes left for that little bit because mm-hmm. you know they'd spent a lot of time inside the uh, council of, mm-hmm. council yeah. room which was great yeah. um, but Jamie was sitting there and, and props came over and they handed her this thing nobody on earth has ever seen before and <laughs> said there you go and, and Jamie's like that's lovely dear but how does it work yeah. you know and so and, and she amazingly managed to put these thimble yeah. sharp like yeah. things on uh, figure out how to weave with that and come up with this delightfully evil little performance that all was centered around it all in about 15-20 minutes that's crazy wow. she's Fantastic. a gem um, yeah. love that awesome but you're right there are I mean there's powerful women uh, you know, you had a, a mayor that replaced another woman. Mayor. I mean, just the women are very powerful. I, I think it's one of the board in this I entire mean, series. As we know, with genre shows, particularly science fiction or fantasy, um, mm-hmm. you get the opportunity to bend all those yeah. rules. Yeah. Like we talk love. about with you know the preacher's the bad guy, and yeah. the, uh, you know, and the our, you know our women are all incredibly strong. They're all uh, dynamic. They all you know they all gun up and do the running and you know and jumping and all the rest of it. Uh, it's nice. It's it's really lovely uh, to kind of to twist all those social mores. You it's know? a very progressive show. It's yeah. a very sex positive show. Yeah, very sex positive. I love that too. Yeah, sex positive or gender positive. I think it's sex think positive both. and gender it's positive. Both. <laughs> it's it's both. saying you know there's no you know don't judge someone if 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 they Sexuality. are a night porter if yeah. that's what they do to mm-hmm. to make things work. It was that it was that scene between Stama and and Amanda last week. Mm-hmm. Yep. where she's talking mm-hmm. about you know thank you for letting us share your husband. It's 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 a lovely like scene, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, like I say, we get the opportunity to explore, you know, things that are a little bit political and, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit um, you couldn't really do if you're taboo. In, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's it's definitely a sign of, of what how we perceive the future to be too. That sex is so much more freer. Like Brave New World, for example, very very much so like that. And to see this and Firefly, of course, mm-hmm. and had that too with uh, yeah. with uh, uh, the, the companions with the companions mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Just to see all that, it, it's a really interesting dynamic, especially. When, when it seems like the women seem to be the uh, stronger sex. Absolutely. Well, I honestly think that's been the way all through history. Uh, it's just, it, we've just been kind of uh, very slow to accept it and yeah. give in. <laughs> true point. Um, true. <laughs> so we get into this very tense situation. You know, Rin breaks free. And we, had that, we had that great fake out where th- we thought that she might actually get away uh, before you put a gun to the back of her head, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, in true Nolan fashion, and then we're we're stuck in this standoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people have been shot. One of the husbands is dead. The other's shot through the gut. Uh, you're running out of water, running out of time. Yeah, and you're in the middle of the, middle of the desert, nowhere near anywhere to get more water. And yeah, so yeah, you, and th- you kind of you get that moment of like in this world. You're screwed if you're out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. There's there is no one there to help you. There is no one to call. Yep. There's no there's no form of 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 cellular communication. No, like, none. And you'd think that that would be mm-hmm. something that you know as technology continued to progress and you started to adapt Votech vo- into modern life that that would be one of the first things that they would try to nail down. Well, we we looked at all of this and and you know. Th- 
the very interesting thing for me about doing the show is, uh, you know, how much conversation goes on around mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lower atmosphere now, and we also have the uh, the chunks of arcs. Yeah, it's almost like a shield that goes around the Earth. So there's no satellites. The yeah, satellites no, are no all air, been, aircraft. You can't really be flying. You can't anymore. fly because the ceiling's too low, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you have no satellites. And because of the amount of metal outside and just inside the atmosphere, it makes uh, both radio and, uh, and and cellular communication extremely difficult. Huh. Well, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just I'm just like you have alien technology. Mm-hmm. They how did they communicate? They didn't have satellites between ships. It's, it's just a, no. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's a shift. It's a quantum shift. And also, it's about you know what gets saved and what doesn't. And also yeah. the level of organization. Yeah. If you're talking about an Earth that's just coming back and forming uh, groups again. Mm-hmm. You know, that's maybe another 10 years down. But first you have to have, uh, well, really in history you have to have two things. You have to have a civilization rise and then you have to have a conflict because traditionally 95% of our, um, our movements forward in terms of technology have been during great times of war or conflict. Yeah. So, you know, we're maybe five, ten years away from that type of thing reestablishing itself. But we're still pocketed. Yeah. You know, the Earth Republic is in pockets. It's in, in a number of towns. The Votanus Collective is thousands of miles away in another, co- in another pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're stuck out in the middle of nowhere on our own. Los Angeles is on its own. Yeah. Uh, so we don't yet have the... Nobody's putting up radio towers. Yeah. Well, there's still... Uh, well, and if you do, you'll probably die before yeah. you get the thing up. And just yeah. a fun thing we learned this week that Alec Tarr is the town DJ. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they're doing something with the arch. At on, least he's taking advantage yeah, of the arch Yeah, Raider there. Radio up in the arch, yeah. playing classic tunes, playing The Cure, you know. <laughs> Like, world music like any teenager should yeah. <laughs> it, he wasn't crying which I thought he should have been and bemoaning his own fate because that's what I was doing at boys 16 boys don't cry come on he does the cure boys sick. don't cry yeah no that's the cure as well that's the cure as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was just making a, I was just making a cure pun that's all I liked it <laughs> there's also a movie boys don't cry that's true. Yes, yes there is. Hillary Swank's film. That's the Hillary yeah. Which Swank is film. where you got me paused for a bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I was, no, I okay. was referring no. straight to the song. That's a movie. <laughs> but it's interesting that you talk about conflict because, like, you know, I feel like another war is brewing. Mm-hmm. It, it, we still don't yeah. know what happened to the Votan ships that launched the Pale Wars mm-hmm. in the first place. Right. That's what we were talking about in the in previous episodes about how we feel like this is a very fragile kind of piece that's going yeah. on right now and yeah. that any little thing is going to make it combustible and but that's, war. It's still extremely tribal at this mm-hmm. point, which, yeah. which I like. It gives a, it's, it's very dynamic. And, you know, getting out of defiance this week, I think, was a, a really yeah. good thing. Like you said, as an audience watching it, you know, it's mm-hmm. great to see for the first time since the pilot the world outside mm-hmm. and also the precariousness of that environment. That's true. Um, politically, this place is still incredibly precarious mm-hmm. as well. You know, it's not just that one attack by the Volge and then, you know, we defeat that and let's all live happily ever after. Yeah. And, uh, this is in a state of flux, and you know, I'll tell you right now, that state of flux it, is headed to a crisis point. You know, the idea of a place like Defiance being allowed to exist on its own—that's not going to happen yeah. happily. Because someone's looking at that and they're saying this is a town yep. that's thriving, it's got resources, it's the one mm-hmm. town that somehow has folded over the original mm-hmm. city. You know, we could be mining that for artifacts, mm-hmm. for fuel. Why do they get to keep it all? Yeah, they're exactly. definitely going to want to take that over. It's and real there's that there. L7 shaft that you brought yeah. up. Yes. yes, with the fun cave paintings. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the, the crazy god-looking thing with one with a golden spider's nest and then yes. the... 
silver uh, one. Can't wait to get deeper into that. I want to know what's Literally. going on. <laughs> I want to know what love is, Grant. And that love is knowing what's going on. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. So at the end of that story, you finally, you know, you take you take down Olfen Tenity, and you turn her over to the proper authorities to go off to Vegas jail. And not 30 seconds go by before mm-hmm. she's released. Well, you see why Nolan's yeah. answer to most thing is shoot him in the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because at and least then, you yeah. know, the problem solved, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, different world. and yeah. um, New world, new rules. And, you know, she's not a nice, she's not a nice piece of work, that Olfen mm-hmm. Tenity. I, I don't have much time for her at all. So, yeah, no, that was a bad let go. We shouldn't have done but it was, that. But it was it's Amanda, though. Right? Amanda's so she, Dudley do yes. right. That's what I was going to say. She was so by the book, and it sort of brought back the political thing, too. Like, okay, well, we're going to take her and have her go to trial and do oh. the right thing instead of taking care of her out in the frontier. She, yeah. she should have been a Mountie, honestly. Like, <laughs> just take her out back behind the yeah. stagecoach, cough loudly, she's done. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. we, had, we had two bad guys get away yeah. this week. Right. Three, if you count Rin. It, but wasn't, it wasn't yeah. that interesting story-wise with Rin yeah. that she redeems herself yeah, at the yeah, end of the episode was, yeah. somewhat? Mm-hmm. She's, uh, I like that she's a more complex character yeah, than we originally think. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And it also speaks to, you know, uh, the, the Arathians and their sort of their law structure mm-hmm. and also it, it even goes back to when when Amanda tried to um, tried to clear Elabandic of his uh, infractions of Castathan law mm-hmm. you know you can't there is no proper governing body over this over this town and you have to kowtow to these cultural rules mm-hmm. absolutely and make it up as you go along you know which again she did she did yeah. in that episode it's uh, it's a process of improvisation yeah um, so we're definitely going to see Olfen again. I, I need to take a quick second and talk about iTunes. Uh, guys, we are so popular here on iTunes. We're currently the number four uh, After Buzz TV well, podcast. We'll be back to number one. We'll be back we're, to we're number gonna, one with this wonderful Knock both you, you two interview. out from your shows. There. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, please uh, rate us and comment. We love to get your feedback on the show. We love yes. doing the show. And tell your friends to watch this show. Tell Not everybody. just our show, but Defiance, because it's Everything. getting really, really good. That's right. Yeah. Uh, not miss out anymore. Tell yeah. strangers on the street that you run into. I mean, you, come on. you could also do that. And come it was on. just picked up for a second season. So that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate vote of confidence. And we are so excited to see everything that's coming up. Uh, I would like to switch tacks now yep. and talk about about your your daughter Arissa and the shenanigans that she got up to this week. A lot of development mm. on her end, and we and we love we love her. She's like one of the most interesting characters on the show. She's got all these demons, and we really got them fleshed out yes. this week. Mm. As a, it's the first. Well, it's the first time you really get a, a good look at her backstory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I know that uh, I know that the audience was you know very keen to to have that fleshed out because yes. she's such a mysterious figure mm-hmm. and such a great character. I mean, she's kind of a teenage girl, but she's kind of Nikita. Uh, mm-hmm. Deadly Assassin. Oh, yeah. She's kind of, uh, you know, of the land, but then she's incredibly kind of not, you know, she's like teenagers should have iPod on, you know, sulking in the corner. If anybody in that show should be listening to The Cure on loop, it's, it, right. it's a risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think so. So, you know, I, I love the fact that her backstory starts to really get fleshed out. And also, you know, there's the scene where we've... We, we solve the mystery of uh, her scene with Tommy in the pilot where she's in the cell and he says to her, why are you so attached to Nolan? Mm-hmm. And she 
she answers, because he did what I couldn't, he murdered my parents. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was always very kind of confusing, but now we understand yeah. her parents sold her out to this crazy church that's trying to build the death god. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, of course, as you do in the future. Well, you know, I think if you've got an extra child and, you know, you, traditionally one goes into the clergy, one goes on to, you know, you know, on to, to college. university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one, what do you do with a third? Death yeah, god. Death god. Death god. Yeah, why death not? God. Makes sense. Disposable. When you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that third kid. It just works. <laughs> um, so she's put in charge and, like, you know something's going to go wrong. Yeah. And it's like it's on the same land code. She brings, brings Daigo back into her life and she has one of her visions or well it wasn't even well, a vision it, it, was, it was a memory or a vision that's the question I guess it was a memory it was a memory but it was done in the yeah. style of the visions mm-hmm. from from last time which like played like she was getting someone else's memories that's you know interesting what I mean? like, like when, when we had that episode where she was seeing you know and figuring out Rin's plot it played right. like I, I was at the time watching it. I wondered if that was her memory, and yeah. I was very kind of lost until we figured out. Okay, this is someone else's memory. This is Rin's memory. So I feel like it was still her her gift, whatever it was, that allowed her to remember these key points. She's, you know, she's uh, she is uh, well. One, I think she doesn't understand the gift yet. Yeah. Two, um, she you understand the gift. Right? I. I Look, me, uh, I understand all, but mm. my character, yeah, my character is uh, a bonehead. So, and you know, I, it's a parent thing. You know, you probably can tell what's going on uh, better with every single kid in a room, except for your own. Yeah. And he has that blind spot with Arissa, you know. Yeah. A lot of it's hope, I think, you know, that um, it's just PTSD. Mm-hmm. But I think at this point she's not sure what is memory and what is vision. Um, she, she definitely before the episode where she keyed into Rin, she had thought that they were uh, post-traumatic stress memories mm-hmm. of her own. Yeah. So we're still uh, – what, what I love about the fact that you, you read those visions that way is that you're, you're figuring out what's going on along with her, um, even visually, which is really, really nice. Well, she's still trying to figure out how – if she should trust them 100 percent, I felt like, because, because of what she believed before. Exactly. And until until the past episode when she realized that uh, there was more to this and she was getting training from uh, from our other spirit rider, uh, Steampunk. Uh, Sukar. Sukar. Sukar, who has Sukar. a name now. Yes. <laughs> Old buddy yeah. top hat. But what I loved about this episode, obviously, I think because, uh, because her prisoner was so determined to be this mild-mannered guy... Uh, in the you know a uh, Carthathian uh, that uh, Casta- she was Castathian no Castathan no. Castathan Casta- this is my first time on the show so I'm getting used to names don't worry mate okay. so feel free to feel free to to write me down yeah. but uh, but anyway I felt that she was starting to doubt herself again because he was so steadfast in saying who he was that it wasn't that yeah. and even mm-hmm. Tommy was there saying this isn't the guy yeah, you're, this you're isn't crazy. the guy well you had that so, moment with the eyes yeah, you know? yeah exactly what color are my eyes so I think and I was just like come on contacts people <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but to your point I think that's right that she was so determined because of those visions that she knew regardless of him trying to have that whole facade that that was definitely him I mean she mentioned it about the smell and everything but it was so strong for her that she knew that it yeah. was him without a doubt no yeah. matter how he was trying to fool her uh, and I thought that was great yeah, she she kind of because it would have been very easy to be like, especially with Tommy, like, okay, you're crazy. You're obviously thinking of somebody else, and I would have doubted myself if I was in that situation. Oh, yeah, I think sure, too. right? Yeah. Well, a man's life is at stake. Yeah. You know, uh, she's kidnapped this guy. Who knows mm-hmm. who he's going to talk to? But uh, eventually, he she l- lets him have it with that snake, and he just goes all crazy on oh, us. Yeah. 
He just he becomes all true believer all over again. He's like, oh no, yeah no. If if you kill me, you will become Electa, the destroyer yes. <laughs> of Electa. everything. And like he made he made a comment that was like, um, you were the only one that survived. So how many children? How many countless yeah. children did this guy like murder, sacrifice, mm-hmm. or whatever for their? Yeah, evil it almost sounded like he didn't believe. Church. He didn't even believe it. He was just doing it for the sake of the church. And then when he found out someone survived. Yeah. That, oh, wow, the prophecy is true. It was, you know, he said it like that, I thought. Yeah. And it was also interesting because uh, he was a castathon uh, testing out this theory, this religion on Arathians. Mm-hmm. And, and we've had, you know, different gods for the different races. And this is the first one that's kind of a multi-race god. Mm-hmm. That's a really yeah. good pickup. Wow. Yeah. Which that's is, a really mm-hmm. interesting thing to have picked up. Well, thank you, Grant. <laughs> I'm I not going to say too much, yeah. but that's a really good pickup. You hear that, mm-hmm. folks? That's a really good yes, pickup. That is smart. That's I am. <laughs> I'm downright chuffed right now. That's that's what's up with that. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and I can't even get names right, but you got all the you got all stuff going on, so. Bro, you got no idea. I'm all over this. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so we we finally she lets him go because she realizes he just wants to be punished, and I but I almost I I wish he died because I want to know what that would have done if it would have done mm-hmm. anything. It's interesting, isn't it? That he's yeah. absolutely convinced in that moment that if she sacrifices him, mm-hmm. yeah. if she kills him, bound helpless in the chair, that that will have some kind of catam- cataclysmic effect, you know, on mm-hmm. her. Yeah, uh, that that will create the outcome that he's always been seeking. Uh, it's interesting to wonder whether that's because he's a member of that church or he's a priest in that church mm-hmm. or, I mean, we can safely assume and we've seen Arissa kill other people and yeah, she hasn't yeah. become Easily. anything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is it about that and him and that ceremony and that set of, that religion and that set of rules that will suddenly provoke this change? He's got that confidence yeah. that that will provoke that change in her. And yeah. you kind of wonder what else she overheard or they said to her while she was being tortured that has continued to inform her development as a person. Because she was like, she was what, what, eight years old maybe? Yeah, eight or nine, yeah. Eight or nine years old. You know, uh, she could have blocked some of that out and then it's continuing to still define who she is as a person. Well, we've seen she does have issues, uh, you know, in terms of forming relationships, not putting knives in people. She, she, you know, she doesn't like being touched. I mean, she she has all of that stuff that plays through right from the beginning. What's interesting to me and very, very difficult to watch is uh, the breakdown of that Mm -hmm. is, you know, her and Tommy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and uh, after weeks of, of dare I say mm-hmm. shipping on our part, um, they totally they totally went for it yeah. and, oh, and yeah. like go sci-fi. <laughs> she didn't like little... touch till the end of that episode. Yeah, no. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, it was it was like it was kind of like that tension. There was this little like there was sexual tension from the very beginning. From with the very them. beginning, because they like, just have okay. such great kind of like anachronistic chemistry yeah. where there's such opposites. And like I, I, I love I love Dusha and Williams. He's 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 a crack up on the show. I think he does the world's most phenomenal job with Tommy. You know, Tommy could be one of those characters that you, know, you miss walking through. Yeah. yeah. And Deshane has a knack of bringing this incredible sense of like 
earnest innocence where you half want to slap him and say, you know, get with the program. Yeah. And the other half of you just falls in love with him every time he opens his mouth. Yeah, you can't help but pay attention mm-hmm. to him. And if you notice so far, he never gets out of a, an episode without somebody clipping him. Somebody at this point <laughs> at episode five, because I remember talking to Deshane about yeah. this, and I said, listen, son, one day you're not going to be belted in, a, in an episode. And Deshane said, really? Yeah. And I said, no, I'm joking. Um, but, you know, she, she tags him again in this episode. She, yeah. she gave him one, you know, over the head and handcuffed him. Poor old Tommy cannot get yeah. through an episode without yeah. somebody having to go at him. But notice when he let loose, when he started attacking, uh, when he started attacking. Yeah. The, he's got that, some stuff in the basement. He's got some moves, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a past, too, that we're probably And he see. says you're not the only one who yeah. has nightmares. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm so curious to see what that is, mm-hmm. what those are. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to be what drew, drew her to him at that moment, I, know. I think. That seemed to be the thing that put Yeah, I think that well, she felt like, okay, now I can trust It was a connection. But even then, you know, like when he goes to touch her, it's that it's that almost like, it's like when someone goes to like touch a cat and they're not sure mm-hmm. if it's if it's having it or not and she it was very animalistic and then the tension was just stretched until they just went at each other which then afterwards you know, as they're calming down uh, post-coitally, mm-hmm. you know, as you do. <laughs> she's looking off into the distance, and she's kind of lost again. Yeah. And is that is that regret at this impulsive decision? Is she still dealing with what had happened earlier in that basement? I feel like she's in a very complex place emotionally right now. That's very sensitive mm-hmm. of you to have picked up. Thank you. That's all right. <laughs> I'm getting compliments all over the place. <laughs> yes. Um, and I also, I just want to talk about real quick before we, we move on. Um, the scene, we finally see Nolan uh, when, he, when he first found Arissa, mm. uh, and that moment where, you know, it kind of creeps across your face. Am I taking responsibility for this person, this little person? You don't know what happened to her. You know she was tied up and that she's crying. And it's just a crying child. You're a soldier. Um, can you speak a little more to sort of your process in that scene where you think Nolan's head was at? Yeah. Um, you, you know, because you, you don't really want to take the time to shoot, you, you want to you focus on what's going on with Arissa in that flashback. If we had a shot at from Nolan's perspective, they're doing a sweep. Yeah. They're sweeping mm-hmm. through, uh, you know, a, a town. And they they hit a tent. They go through the doors. Uh, you don't know what you're going to see. There's all of these crazy people, snakes, you know, knives and guns. And they just start putting, putting anyone down who has something in their hands. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is, of course, is at the end, uh, the two people who are obviously with her, they're dead. And um, so she's a kid bound in a chair who's obviously been tortured. And uh, there's nobody left. So I think for him it's, you know, if there was anyone to give it to. But the thing is, is he looks in her eyes um, and uh, and she looks straight back. Yeah. And when he puts out his arms, she flies into them. Mm-hmm. And I think this bloke's been in pain for so long that the innocence of that and the trust of that just kicked him. And that yeah. was it. You know, he, I, I don't think he'd ever let it go after that. Well, there's there's something also... We never see what happens to Nolan's parents, uh, and I assume we'll find out mm-hmm. at some point what happened. And I feel like there, there is that sort of like, I'm not going to create another orphan, yeah. um, especially one that's in so much pain. Yeah. Um, and it was a really beautiful moment. Yeah, no, their, their histories match up very closely in that, you know, uh, he, you know, for him it's kind of doubly so. He's left on his own at the age of nine. 
uh, in this, you know, in, in at the beginning of this whole conflict, yeah. and uh, and grows up in it, you know, um, and to 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 be confronted with that again in this little girl uh, is one thing, but also to be the cause of it, if you like, you know, because he's put the two, you know, he's put the parents down. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of a double. A, a, you've got the yeah. guilt and shame of yeah. being the predicator of that. Take responsibility for that. Yeah, yeah. As well. and also the identification. So mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of binds him to her. I think. Okay, great. Well, uh, do either of you guys have any more questions about this topic? No, <laughs> All right. I think we've topiced it out. Yeah, I think we got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I think I think we can move on to kind of just a, an informal talk with you, Grant, about the show and. You know, potential speculation about what's to come, and also to congratulate you on the second season, uh, which is you. fantastic. Yeah, so happy about that. Yeah. I can't tell you. Yeah, thank you, so ladies exciting. and gentlemen. I want to thank the Academy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, look. I, I just can't wait to get back up there and uh, and get going again. Um, a little uh, thing for all of you and the fans: we actually have the entire backlot in bubble wrap at the moment. Really? The town's in bubble wrap. Really? Oh, wow. Well, nice. we, we had to cold yeah. weather it for uh, Toronto winter, uh, mm-hmm. we, which we wow. wouldn't be shooting through. Mm-hmm. So if we hadn't wrapped it, it That's would... amazing. Wow. Yeah, if we hadn't wrapped yeah. it, it all would have been do you get the urge, destroyed. Do you get the urge to just go up there a couple of weeks earlier and just start <laughs> popping them in? <into> the <laughs> That's what I'm going to do during rehearsal. Yeah. I figure <laughs> after a day and a half, they'll give me the, the rest of the time off. Yeah. Just sit there really slowly popping. <laughs> so just, apparently somebody has to go up uh, there's a team of guys that go up ahead of us uh, a couple of weeks ahead and start unwrapping defiance oh my god oh, that's amazing isn't that cool yeah. no they should they should post that to youtube as like you know yeah. like like an unboxing yes, like an, <laughs> an unboxing here. video uh yeah i've got yeah. Uh, i got the new town of defiance here it's a nice package we're gonna open it up we're gonna see what we got oh you know it's the it's the need one. Oh, it's pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty nice you know quality construction <laughs> really really into it they did a great job with this yeah it's uh i, I think it's going to take them two weeks to actually unwrap the entire oh town wow. but it might be a fun fan contest to have uh have like to give away oh yeah opportunities yeah. Cut, mm-hmm. cut just Incredible. tons of uh, bubble wrap, uh, wrap up and just start giving them out to fans at comic-con or <laughs> yeah. something like that right yeah. yeah you can have a piece of the wrapping yeah. yes <laughs> there you go i'm like i'm just imagining this haunting image of just like you're standing in the middle of the town and just off in the distance you just hear <laughs> a little pop yeah <laughs> Tumbleweed rolls down. That? Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little pop in the background. A little Toronto it's, tumbleweed. Yeah. It's got to look really spooky right now. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a ghost town. Deserted. Right? Yeah. It's a wrapped up ghost yeah. town. Um, That's pretty incredible. Now, when we were we were watching the show earlier, you talked a bit about the evolution of the mythology. And, right. and Defiance is in a really unique position in that you have two entities, uh, both the creators of the show and the creators of the game, you know, collaborating and building this world, which is so rich so quickly. Um, you know, can you, can you speak a little bit to who came up with what or like what was the balance or what was the process? When did you come in? I came in uh, pretty late in that process right. in terms of coming up with the key core original ideas. Um, I did, however, come in before there was a script, which was an interesting yeah. uh, mm. thing to do as an actor. But what I do know is that uh, right from the beginning, uh, the two the two entities, uh, Sci-Fi and Tryon, they sat down at the beginning to come up with an idea 
that could evolve into both. So really? this is from Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, this hasn't been, you know, something where well, we've got a t- we've got a show. It's you know it's sci-fi and it's this and it's that and the other. You know, let's hitch our wagons together. Uh, this was literally from sitting in a room going, okay, we could do anything. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Um, where it's come is, uh, you know, and I've said this over and over again, but it still it still absolutely intrigues me. The fact that they they went with an MMO, I think, was genius. That the game is the world that operates twenty four seven and allows the television show to come and go, which you have to with a television mm-hmm. show. Yeah, you know, I think in the past when this has been conceived by people, they imagine the show is the pervasive world and the game is the finite world. But the world. show is it's really the, the opposite the way around. Yeah. yeah. And so the genius of that mm-hmm. right from the beginning, I think, was key in, in what's uh, everything that's worked since. And that's just a conceptual thing before they even came up with an idea of the town. Um, the, the other thing that, came, that happened very early for them was how do we split them apart so we don't have to do real time? Because yeah. real time would pull everything down to being very, very ordinary very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of having this world in an MMO uh, and and a show where they were geographically split apart and that the uh, given circumstances, if you like, of the world and the difficulties of transport and the time it takes yeah. to get from one place to another gives you a buffer that allows you to see... That they wouldn't interact yeah. that much. Not, not directly, but still, uh, say, across the course of a television season, you could still see things backward and forward a number of times. So right. it wasn't, here's your treat, <laughs> you know, here's your treat over there, and that's it for... If, say, E-Rep started cracking down on every city of a certain size, or, you know, the Volge, you know, had a mass invasion, it would definitely affect San Francisco, which is where the game takes place, mm-hmm. even if, you know, we're not seeing defiance. Absolutely, or if a massive storm swept through uh, Los Angeles in this new Earth, mm-hmm. it, it's entirely possible that it could sweep straight across, and vice versa. Yeah. So yeah. you've got environmental things as well. Uh, also, with, the with uh, you know, our new uh, creatures, if you like, the new... Uh, you know, animal inhabitants of the earth, um, yeah. they can be migratory. And, and and if they do migrate and they are extremely dangerous, they can literally go through both places. Mm-hmm. They, all of those things can be uh, timed, if you like, so they can be trigger points either from the game into the show or from the show into the game. And then we can do things more immediately, you know, with uh, characters and human beings and plot lines just simply in the time it takes to get from one place to another. Interesting thing is, if the train comes into defiance, if the maglev Mm -hmm. line comes in, that means that it will naturally accelerate the trigger points from the game into the show and from the show back into the game. Hmm. Mm, Interesting point. Um, When it comes to our mythology, like, you know, our our weaponry, our vehicles, our tech, uh, the the history... The, the, literally the history of you know how this all came to be, that was a total synergy from the beginning. Hmm. And whenever, uh, once we, we got into pre-production, we started trying to visually execute the show, um, you know, we ran into things. And um, one of the first things was, and I kind of loved this one, uh, it just tickled me because I, I was there, uh, was the rollers. Uh, the yeah. way they were originally conceived by both art departments, they, they tip over. Uh, they look super cool rendered, but yeah. if you go over 15 miles an hour, you're going to die. Okay. So <laughs> like that was, car. and of course for the game, for Tryon, uh, and I didn't know this before the show either, um, games you have to do the visual way, way ahead. Way in advance. Yeah. Way oh, ahead. Yeah. Whereas for a show, it's story you have to do way mm-hmm. ahead. 
and visuals we do when we shoot. So they're one of the last things mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. So that's a, a, a very intricate dance. A very because both um, entities have such a different. Uh, critical mass in terms of vision and story. Yeah. The game can do story like that. They have to do vision way ahead. So we were right on the crux with the rollers. When we started building rollers and they started being like leany is a really nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody had to get together really, really fast and we had to come up with a concept that could be executed from an, you know, from an engineering and mechanical standpoint that we could then flip back across to them and they could render in time to get out on the game. So we've had so many of those, it's been crazy. Um, we talked about tonight's episode with the land coach, with it being yeah. the first time that we leave Defiance other than us stumbling in on foot and mm-hmm. the Volge coming yeah. in on mm-hmm. foot. So we had to re-examine our mythology around fuels in order to start to execute right. How are these, these yeah. rollers How are they getting moving? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, 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 you know, we had solved it in terms of rollers, you know, these small individual or two-person vehicles mm-hmm. that, that got around extremely rough terrain. Yeah. But moving to the land coach meant it's, it's more organized. Uh, they can take less of a beating, obviously, than the rollers. They need roads mm-hmm. uh, because of the weight and the size. And also they're going to need a lot of fuel uh, because they're going to have to travel a long distance between fuel stops. So that means that unlike the rollers, there has to be a greater ability to create and store fuel. Right. It's, it's like an, this is a bad analogy, but like an aircraft carrier versus, you know, a fighter jet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, one's going to go very short distances. One is going to carry lots of cargo and is going to move, you know, very, very There's, long distances. Or a diesel versus a nuclear submarine. You know, you can go yeah. 2,000 miles in this trip or you can stay away for 17 years. Exactly. <laughs> I have to say, you are so incredibly versed in this world. Yeah. And, and it fascinates me, not because actors usually aren't as much, but this is a world that's just been created and we've just been able to, I've experienced it really a lot a lot, a lot quicker recently uh, but you know it's been out for a month and yet you're talking about different kinds of fuel and you're just so intricate is this something that you felt you had to do for yourself just to know this world is, is everyone else is yeah, Julie that, I, and I, Stephanie I, yeah. I was going to ask that like is there Are the they question well like informed? did you guys have to be did you have to take like a crash course? Did you guys have some kind of, to kind of figure out because there's such depth to it and such detail? Well, you don't think you're going to have to. That's the really interesting thing. Um, I'll give you an example of, of why we've become so versed. And I think it is across the cast. Um, is we shot the pilot, and in the pilot, um, Julie w- had a, had speeches, if you yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. And when we went to do the speeches, uh, there was hand-pulped paper given to us because we decided that the ability to mass-pulp paper has gone. Impossible. Mm-hmm. It's too much energy, too much, mechan- yeah, too mm-hmm. much mechanical. You know, and there's not the, enough the, of the a market, market for there's it. There's no market. So we're going to p- hand-pulp our paper, which puts paper in really short supply. Mm-hmm. So we established that in the pilot. Now, I know what genre fans are like. I've done True Blood, I've done Lost. Believe me, answering some of those questions <laughs> gets really <laughs> intricate. So when we came out of the pilot, we went into the series. Now, we changed uh, a, a department, um, and that department was responsible for basically you know, what was lying around on the streets of Defiance. The first time I went out into the streets of Defiance, there was paper blowing around in the wind. Uh, old newspaper and paper looks fantastic on screen because yeah. it gives you context and atmosphere and environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and everything else. And the first words out of my mouth were, guys, pick up all that paper. Wow. <laughs> because we've established something very, yeah, very exactly. different. Yeah. And so what happens is, mm. in, in our average shooting day, these things, you wouldn't believe how much they come up. You know, wh- I remember just simply in, around episode uh, 10 or 11, 
the script came through. It was a fantastic script, and uh, we got the script. And after the script, the writer said to me, "You know, you 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 know, you got any concerns?" And I said, "That that part where I take so and so to, uh, where I take uh, the warrant to the judge." And he said, "Yeah." I said, "There's no judges." There's no courts. We don't have them yet. Maybe in series three, four, five, in right. a number of years, but we don't. So we all have to watch each other mm. because we'll all forget at certain times and do our default, which is this world. Mm-hmm. And when you do it, your audience picks up on it like that. Yeah. And I get hassled at Comic-Con for the next 35 <laughs> years. There's something really interesting, though, about an episode where the first Supreme Court or even just the first court is established mm-hmm. and it's it's representing all of the races and there's just tension over shifting you know the the hands of the law as it were you know from the executioner yep. to a jury and to a judge and uh, there's something really fascinating about that I can't wait to see okay. how that happens I don't think I can't think of a, a series where we've had that issue it's it, it, this is one of the things about keeping us on the cusp of coming back from the dark ages if right. you like yeah. that that I love the most is we get to address that I, I see this show so much about the evolution of the United States yeah, yeah, in yeah a sense. exactly that just parallels it, it's, there it's these little city states yeah. which is yeah. quite a, an ancient Greek concept but mm-hmm. you know that are eventually going to either form. Uh, like I say, they're either going to form a very communist idea, mm-hmm. they're going to form uh, maybe a republic, maybe a socialist idea, but we have that conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. At the moment, you know, we look like we have the seeds of a republic, and defiance itself certainly stands for the idea of, mm-hmm. of, of a of republic. A, of a yeah. republic. Um, but what's it going to look like? And will we do uh, this, you know, how will we go about the estates? You know, yeah. how will we go about separation of the judiciary and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and, and the government and the executive? Um, yeah. Do we do that? Do we do something different? And we can have that conversation again. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting because you look at other sci-fi shows that, you know, maybe – uh, Defiance draws a little bit from or that mm-hmm. could be compared to but you look at something you know Battlestar Galactica was humanity on the verge of extinction mm-hmm. you know you have that that grim mentality of trying to survive another day you know without hope left potentially and then you have Firefly which is hundreds of years after man has expanded to the stars and is now trying to figure out, you know, or is dissatisfied with government and mm-hmm. is now living on the fringes but this is the first one where I feel like the hope for change is palpable, mm-hmm. and 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 we're seeing a society evolve, and that's just so so fascinating. And a, and a society with m- multiple alien races, and only thirty years in the future from where we are right now, too. Yeah, like it's. I mean, it's you not look that at, far ahead. You look at Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. And I mean, while there were multiple alien yeah. races, the politics were the mostly politics were between humans, Cardassians, uh, mm-hmm. and Bajorans. And I know I'm, I'm just nerding myself into. <laughs> The ether here, <laughs> but, but these guys are actually having to li- live together on this this planet, and it's only, in you know, one town. One little they space. have to live next door one to each other. Exactly. Yeah. It's not yeah. like they're all it's over the, the place. It's the Castathan next door, and what yeah. uh, like if I don't yeah. trust them, it's not just like shut your dog up. It's mm-hmm. like they bought that dog because they're <laughs> evil. You know, mm-hmm. they're invaders. Exactly. So um, I think we were determined right from conception. It's something I talked to Kevin Murphy and, and Scott Stewart, the director of the pilot, about a lot when mm-hmm. we were first talking about the show. Is um, because the original script of the pilot, by the way, 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 way back, the first one I ever read, had the town established. It was all atta- established, and there was a maglev line, and there was. Uh, uh, I'd been lawkeeper for four or five years. Mm-hmm. 
Hard to imagine now. Yeah, right? yeah. no, that's what I'm okay. saying. Like, I can't imagine that. I like so, this way you know, so much better. <laughs> all stories evolve. Yeah. Um, but uh, what what I loved about the, what we ended up with is is that beginning. Yeah. And mm-hmm. all these conversations are, be, are to be had. And I agree with you. I I love great sci-fi. I mean, I love my Star Wars. I love my Blade Runner. You yeah. Know, I love my I love my Star Trek. But so often it's the desolate world. Blade Runner is a desolate mm-hmm. world. It's yes. a nihilistic mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is a is a world, you know, um, where they're fighting to st- to stop extinction. Yeah, you know, in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, moral and ethical extinction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even Doctor Who, you got the Daleks. You know, and we got to save ourselves yeah. from them, or we all become the Daleks machines. or the Cybermen. Yeah. 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 So you know, it's um, it's that idea of starting from um, from growing, starting from hope. That I love because it's not something I often associate with the best sci-fi I know, yeah. and and I love that idea of turning it on, on its head a bit, mm-hmm. which is where sometimes I think we get compared to that Western idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I but I love that I love uh, that comparison because it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, and is it, and I feel like for for all the similarities to some other sci-fi shows that you see a little Firefly in there, you see a little Deep Space Nine, you see yeah. a little bit of this, but you also see like. Today was classic stagecoach robbery. Absolutely, stagecoach. Yeah. stagecoach. Yeah. Hands down, yes. hands down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even you mentioning Amanda coming from us, realizing she's from New York. It's kind of like that. That little. I don't want to say cliche, but I guess there are some. Sometimes you see a fish out of water, a big city person going yeah. out to the country and trying to establish themselves, and then and then meeting up with the rugged uh, antihero, yeah. for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that. It pulls from a lot of classic. So, uh, classic Western and classic movies. Yep. Which now, uh, I'm actually, I'm curious, and, and this comes back to character, mm. if if Amanda was in New York, was Kenya already out in Defiance, or was she also in New York with her? And if so, was she doing her Night Porter thing there? Like, uh, Interesting. Know, so did thing. Kenya pull Amanda to Defiance, or yeah. did Amanda was pull she in, yeah. Was she in trouble and Amanda was coming to bail <laughs> to her out? Will be answered mm-hmm. very soon, my friend. Uh, I, I think it could be that way, though. I think it is that yeah. I, if I was... I must compliment you. You are well trained. Yes, uh, you are. Very good pickup, Matt. Good pickup on that. (laughs) I can see Matt's a true believer, and and (laughs) I respect that. Thank you. I fear it, but I respect it. Yeah, Yeah, you you don't have to fear it too much. We're just we're just doing an interview. (laughs) Hey, Sky, come on, buddy. We're in this together. I'm just kidding. All right, I'm just a new guy, so that's all good. (laughs) Oh, but we love you, Nando. It's okay. Um, so I know uh, uh, Michael Taylor uh, departed mm-hmm. at the end of the first season. No. Or no? No. That De- was on Deadline. Deadline. They screwed up. They did. Deadline. Oh, Ooh. my gosh. Deadline got a whiff uh, and kind of, I think they ran a little ahead of themselves. Uh-huh. Uh, I spoke to Michael Taylor. Okay. Um, when did I speak to Michael? I spoke to him last Friday. He was out at lunch with Kevin and the rest of the writers. Great. By All the right. way, by the way, I don't want to shop them too much, but I think they ditched school for the afternoon and were on their way to watch Iron Man 3. What? Ooh. Okay, who wants to be a writer on a television show? <laughs> right? I mean, I'll tell you, there's never been a day where I've turned up on location and they've said, you know what? Let's just go yeah, to the movie. Yeah, let's just forget it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, uh, I spoke to Michael last Friday. No, he's still on the show. All right. Great. Uh, Great to and hear. And he's still an associate producer and he's, he's banging away. He's with the troops. That's fantastic. fantastic. He's hear. a huge yeah. asset. I mean, if that had have been a reality, I would have been really, really sad. Yeah. Okay. And a great guy. Well, him and, and Rockney, they come from, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, they yeah. they come from just such. They're so steeped in that genre, and it's like their depth. credits are just 
yeah. off the charts. Yeah, and they're both uh, invaluable assets, you know, in terms of in terms of doing exactly what we've been talking mm -hmm. about. You know, having the idea of keeping a drama going, keeping yeah. it intimate, mm -hmm. and you know, and having something that you care about and you believe in, but still creating this deep mythology. I mean. That takes a lot of experience, oh, particularly gosh. in producers and writers. So, yeah, we're very blessed yeah, in those keep two. all those details in there, too. I yeah, just can't the, even... the level of detail, honestly. Oof. It drives me crazy. Most of the time, say you're doing a cop show, um, you know, your biggest worry is you walk on set, or I walk on set, yeah. and I do a quick glance around to see how many crew members have left styrofoam cups in the corners. Because, you know, when you're watching a TV show, and you go, oh, there's, this one of the, <laughs> there's the gripped coffee. Um, <laughs> it drives me nuts, right? So I do a, I do a swap. Uh, and, and get rid of the coffee cups. Mm -hmm. In Defiance, honestly, you've got to watch everything on every surface and then the concept of everything on every surface. Does your head in. Mm -hmm. So yeah. these guys, you know, the Rockneys, the Michael Taylors, the Kevin Murphys, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. you know, they are just so experienced at that that you can take your hands off the wheel a bit and you know at least from a from a story point of view, from a story arc, you know, all the way through a series that they are so on top of it mm -hmm. and they've done it before. And they get it and they know what And they've done it that. really successfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure they're just they're just jazzed about banging out these new stories. It's funny. They're like kids in a candy store. I mean, they get so excited, honestly. I can't. It's it's not a matter of whether I get spoilers or not. It's just how early I get them because ah. they, they, they can never keep it back from you. You know, they get so excited about, okay, I shouldn't be telling you this, but. So yeah. can we get them on the show? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, as when I leave, I'm going to I'm going to call Sci-Fi and have them banned because yeah. you you boys are dangerous. Uh, oh, come dangerous. on, Grant! No, Don't you love That's talking so about this stuff. Though. It's <laughs> great to talk about. Honestly, it. I feel like there's probably a Rohypno in my. No, no, no. I'm going to wake I, up tomorrow and I would have given away season yeah. three. We, we talked about this when we first met, but I mean, after you were at E3 last year, so yeah. exactly a year ago this month or, or, or June, and in Comic Con, not be able to say much, but knowing all about this world, yeah. it must be. It must be so much must more freeing to yeah. talk about this. Oh, it's stuff. such a relief. Way off the shoulders there. Well, it's such a relief to watch other people, such as yourselves, watch the show. Yeah. You know, we made this thing. Uh, we shot the pilot so far in advance from most television shows because we had the time with the game uh, and all the constraints of that. And we got such a big build-up. I mean, when we turned up at Comic-Con last mm -hmm. year and we were the side of the Marriott Hotel, I there were parts of my body that tightened and puckered that, uh, you know, they, they didn't let loose for a long, long time. Well, yeah. It's terrifying. Well, when you're 40 mm -hmm. stories tall, it's, <laughs> it's hard not to feel the pressure. And you haven't, yeah. nobody's seen it yet, yeah. and you haven't mm -hmm. even shot the series, you've only shot the pilot. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a really strange and experience. And what can you ask, and, and being someone who's interviewing you, I guess, how much can you ask that you can reveal, I suppose? Nothing. I mean, yeah. Less than nothing, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's great now is the show being out and you guys having seen it, um, you have you know you 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 have a great grasp on the show, which means I don't have to sit there and explain it from the beginning for the nine hundred ninety sixth time. Sure, which makes it great as an actor, you know, just to talk about the and a storyteller to talk about the show because you care about the show. You're on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, mate, I care about this thing greatly. I mean, I think we have the opportunity on this one to have a lot of conversations that you brought up today. Yeah, you know, conversations about roles in society, about gender, about mm -hmm. you know, uh, about you know, sex, about about politics, about how we define our republic. I yeah. mean, we, we really get to talk about a lot. And, you know, when you, can, when you can do that, when you find a vehicle, if you like, for, for storytelling that allows you to get into that stuff and everybody still has a blast, yeah. that for me is, is good value. Yeah. Well, th this is one of the last pure sci-fi shows on TV, I feel. Right. And especially one like that, that you know, 
doesn't have a procedural element that is very much about people and how they collide. Yeah, um, that's exactly what we were talking about in previous episodes. Exactly it's all about the characters. Here. Yeah, and like this sort of mm-hmm. this Daytac versus Rafe mm-hmm. thing that's going on, and and like the politics of the show. It's the same reason that I love Battlestar Galactica. It's it's watching people who all have wants and needs, mm-hmm. uh, who need each other, but at the same time can't stop stepping on each other's yeah, toes. you got to see yeah. what their motivations are and why they do the things that they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And I think great characters come from the idea that no one is actually really bad in their own mind. Mm-hmm. No. Um, you know, I, I, I read a great line yesterday. I can't remember where, but it was, uh, you know, even bad guys have kids. Yes. Mm. Actually, I know where I got that from. Scandal. Oh. Guilty pleasure, <laughs> guilty pleasure. <laughs> you know the bad guy. The yeah. bad guys have kids, and and I think when you get shows, uh, when you get films or television shows where that's the truth, where you can actually get in head of the ba- in the head of the bad guy, in the head of mm-hmm. Daytac or Starmer, yeah. if you want to look at them as the bad guys, or Rafe McCauley, and Rafe. genuinely see yeah. their motivation and why yeah, they why do they what they do, mm-hmm. and they're not a cardboard cutout and they're not two dimensional. That's when, as an audience, I think it's great because you can cross invest. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, Rafe's got—he's got a little gangster in him too. Rafe is, yeah, he's a bit of a hood. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny having Rafe as like the—I guess the uh, establishment, if you like—in the town. Mm-hmm. And talking about breaking stereotypes, you know, I love that our—excuse <clears throat> me—our establishment family is First Nations. Yeah, you know, the old mm-hmm. money and defiance is a First Nations family, mm-hmm. and I love that. Just personally, for my own reasons, mm-hmm. I just I love enjoy that. that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and Graham's got such weight to him. I mean, when he says, "You know, I'm going to snap your neck and throw you down the down a mine shaft," he could probably mumble it while scratching his head, and you're going to go get out of there, get out of there now. Yeah, yeah. no, you believe it. <laughs> you believe it, and like that's the thing is like it, you're you're constantly viewing uh, Daytac and Rafe through these constantly changing lenses because you're presented with Rafe as this as this you know gruff tycoon Daytac uh, you didn't know at first but then you quickly realize he's a gangster but mm-hmm. you know they they're they're both very complex in mm-hmm. their own ways and and that scene in the last episode where where Daytac is talking about respect mm-hmm. and how you know I'm good enough to get weapons for you but you can't show me respect as a person that I'm just I'm, I'm a mad dog that you call yeah. on that was you know such a good line and he's right it's yeah true he's absolutely, absolutely right. it was so good about that yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. so good mm-hmm. and you know I you wonder because Stama keeps whispering in his ear and she's she's putting all these ideas in his head how much of his own his own sort of like plotting from from when they first met to right now how much of who he is now came from her mm. and I wonder if you know the warrior that she met who you know stole her from this other man had no intentions of ever accruing power right mm-hmm. I wonder yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, no, I think she's all well, the, she's, the player in the, in well the, she's the, definitely Lady Macbeth oh yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. what we're I saying mean, I mean absolutely she is to a T to uh, in fact I think for my money and I've done that one uh, she's better yeah. Like better wow. character, mm-hmm. I love her. I love she's, her she's character. She's a treat. Mm-hmm. That's know? why I was saying earlier. It was like delicious just watching. <laughs> yeah. her. She's a highlight. That's for it's sure. Like I've yeah. heard a nice. So this bad. is sinful. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She's kind of like a tapioca pudding mm-hmm. after you know a, a, a very fatty meal. You shouldn't do it, <laughs> but you do. Yeah. Oh, I know. I should have had that, but. <laughs> and then you have seconds. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell I've got kids, right? My favorite dessert is tapioca, tapioca pudding. pudding. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, 
No, it's not no. that sad. I used no. to go out to really fancy restaurants. Now it's tapioca pudding. <laughs> it could be a really good is it the, tapioca. Is it, I was going to say, it, is, is it the cozy shack or is it the, yeah. you know? Is it the Costco brand? Is that what you're talking about? No, or better you? than that, Mike. Oh, better than that? Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. We got cozy picked up for a second Costco. season. Oh, yeah. So I can, I can afford the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Had it flown in. From <laughs> flown in tapioca. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I Okay. I have to do this because we mentioned yeah. it on an earlier podcast. Uh, are, are the, we, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go there, right? Yeah the uh, the the Chow Down <laughs> Macaulay Brown yes. jingle yes. Do you remember it offhand? I know you'll you healthy watch. pups can't get enough. You never see a frown because it's Chow Down time. It's Chow Down time. It's always Chow Down time. Can, yes. we get a, can we get an applause sound yes, effect? That, uh, can we get some cheers? I think that's it. Yeah. It might be a word I, or two off. Uh, that's okay. That was great. That yeah. was fantastic. I know, now if we can no. just get it edited and post with a little bouncy ball. That can yeah, exactly. <laughs> going across the screen. <laughs> I love that, though, that uh, Rafe's, Rafe's dad was in dog food. I know. I that's it. such like a weird specific. <laughs> and it's like... It, it's so odd. He yeah. was so good. Mm-hmm. But that's the it's thing. Is like it's so it's such a complex he, and specific yeah. thing where he is very he's successful, but it's an embarrassing mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's that's. I find that really true. You know, that idea of uh, kind of coming out of a more working class environment and then being embarrassed or ashamed mm-hmm. of the success. Of the success. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, I think is uh, that's really complex. And yeah. it serves his works. character mm-hmm. as being a different type of successful person in Daytac, for example. Yeah, who can't get enough. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, yeah, Daytac, he just, I honestly think Daytac needs a, he needs an act in the need one. Like, if we could get him up on stage, <laughs> get him some of that good applause, you know, maybe he's doing something, something, little he number. He needs a friend. Diana Ross I was like, number. there's his own predictions right there. Let's you know, he's gonna say we're he gonna needs a friend? He needs later. a friend. Oh, my. Everyone needs a friend. Oh, even even Daytac needs a friend. Yeah. You know what? I don't know about that. He's got that news. big. You've seen that big hulking sensor with the huge yeah, facial yes. scar. Yeah, yeah, yes. They're pretty close. Okay. Right? okay. Yeah. I don't think he talks much, but they get along. I love the sensor. I, so like, I, I want to be a sensor. Probably. <laughs> probably so good to cuddle with if he, uh, if he uh, ever wants it. Fun little anecdote. Um, Steph Leonidas, is like the, who plays Arissa, yeah. is the sweetest, tiniest thing you're ever going to meet in your life. Nothing like a character. Uh, and and oh, she's always concerned for everybody else and how they're feeling on set. I don't mean to sound exasperated with that, but the thing was was that uh, Kevin, who plays our Sensoth, yeah. is an ex-basketball player. Kevin is six foot six, so that Sensoth, mm. there's no no nothing. He's just he's got uh, the suit on and the mask on, and, and that's him. Well, it gets very hot in there, so often Kevin's under an umbrella, sitting somewhere in the shade, sipping a, a drink through a straw because he has to use the yeah. straw to mm-hmm. get it through the face. This looks sad to Stephanie Leonidas. So on a near daily basis, I'll be walking through the town with my cohort, my daughter, and she'll turn around, break character, and say, oh, Grant, and I'll, <laughs> yeah, hon, is Kevin sad today, do you think? And I look at him and I go, no. He's in a mask. You can't yeah, tell. Yeah. He's in a mask. He's got a monkey face on. I say, I don't think so, love. I think he's just, you know, he's taking a break. He looks sad. I don't think I can. No, we should go back and we should talk to him. Is he lonely? I look at him. It's still a monkey face. I go, I'm not sure if he's lonely, love. She says, is he, is, he, is he nervous? And I look at the monkey face again. And I go, I'm not sure if he's nervous, love. It's a, he's wearing a mask. <laughs> it's, it's impossible. So for six weeks, for the first six weeks we were shooting every day, I'd have to, in order to get this girl to go back to work, I'd have to walk over there and go, G'day, Kevin, how are you? He go, yeah, I'm good, man. I go, you happy? And he go, yeah. I go, you're not nervous about anything? No. Okay, you feeling good about the day? Yeah. 
thanks, Kevin. And I walk away <laughs> and I go, back up to Stephanie Leonis and I go, all right, Kevin's not sad, he's not anxious, he's not nervous, he's not, uh, he's not unhappy, he's keen. He likes the job. He's really, really happy to get started. He's just taking a little break. Can we go now? But is he hungry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Do you think that maybe on some level, at some point, she was she was screwing with you after a few weeks of doing that? Wouldn't put it past her. <laughs> I actually never thought of that. Your blokes are smarter than me. Just like mm. they did do one thing to me. They uh, Mia Kirshner and Stephanie Leonidas in the pilot were very late on. <clears throat> I think it was our last night, and we're in the need one. We're yeah. shooting um, that scene where we're sitting together, and I tell Rafe I can track for him. Uh, in in the need one. Anyway, uh, it was very late. It was three or four in the morning. We've been going forever. We had to get the day finished. Yeah. And uh, um, I came back out to my... You have your chairs. You know, everybody's seen the chairs. You have your chair with your name on it, you know, so the, you know, so the lighting department doesn't take it and try and, you know, like turn it into something. Yeah. So out on my chair, there's a scene. Uh, uh, and this often happens when you're shooting. There was an amended scene, and I pick up the amended scene, and, uh, I, and I go, what's this? And uh, Scott Stewart, the director, walked away, and, uh, and Amir and Stephanie come out, and I go, oh, yeah, no, we just got that too. Kevin sent it through from L.A. You know, it's three hours earlier in L.A., so it's conceivable. And uh, I, I, I get the scene, and I go, well, what are we doing? You know, like, it's three o'clock in the morning, and we meant to shoot this, and I'm starting to get you know, annoyed because mm-hmm. I've been working for 16 hours. I'm like, you know, what are we, when are we going to shoot this? We've still got to finish off this other thing. And they're like, oh, we don't know, but we've got to get it done, you know. And as I'm talking about, you know, when are we going to shoot this scene, I'm flipping the pages and it's got, uh, it's the end of the pilot, Nolan and Arissa. And, um, <clears throat> and it comes to, uh, you know, Arissa says, you know, you're more than a father to me. And, I, and Nolan says, you know, oh, you know, I love you too, kid. And she says, no. I've always loved you. <laughs> and then the big print has, there's a pause, Arissa moves in, kisses Nolan hard on the lips, they sink from frame, and at this point I'm irate. I've already been playing this girl's father for weeks, and I'm like, who the hell is And everybody on set cracks up. And they'd literally That's gone great. out the back and written a scene just to get me. Oh, That's wow. hysterical. It, it was a horrible thing to do, though, because she's my baby. Yeah. And they wrote the love scene at the end of the pilot. Nearly killed me. Icky, icky. Yeah, no, it was terrible. Gross. Terrible. I suffered for that one, so I wouldn't put it past her. Yeah. Um... Well, yeah, either of you guys have any. Well, I was going to say, next time she does that, why don't you just say, yeah, Kevin is really, just, really upset. <laughs> Kevin. I was oh going to say, you need, to get, oh you need to get her back and tell he's to. really upset yeah. today. You need to go up to Kevin right now. He needs. The problem with uh, with pranking Steph is, is, is she is such a good girl. Like, she is such a lovely, kind hearted girl. It's honestly like. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like throwing kittens in front of traffic. Like, you, <laughs> oh, do you know what I mean? That's like, a great visual. Though. <laughs> she is. Uh, you might want to prank her, but she's so oh, lovely. Break yeah. your heart. It's just going to backfire, and you're going to oh. hate yourself for See, the rest of your life. That's why she get away with it. That's, that's why. Exactly that's why she's getting she away with it. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly why she got me around a little uh-huh. finger. All yeah. right. Uh, cool. Well, I just I want to thank you, Grant, yes, for coming on the you show, and staying with us. Uh, thanks really for having fantastic. me, yeah. watching the show with us tonight. Everything. Great. Thank you so so much. Well, thanks for being an audience and, and for being so great on this. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, we love the show, and uh, you know we I'm can't so wait excited. for season two. And I'm guessing so you'll be at Comic Con too. I'm, I'm sure it's not announced yet, but it's pretty much a foregone. I will be at Comic Con with bells on. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Awesome. Great. Cool. Now you get to talk more this time. So yeah. Well, and have something to talk about mm-hmm. finally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Scott, where can the audience find you? 
Find me on the uh, the old Twitter at sman80. That's sman80. And here on Sunday nights, we're wrapping up season finale, Celebrity Apprentice. All right, uh, Nando. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at nandovel, N-A-N-D-O-V-E-L, and also Celebrity Apprentice and uh, AfterBuzz for Bates Motel too. And Grant. Hannibal. And Hannibal. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. do a bit. Uh, Grant? You can find me on Monday nights on Sci-Fi, 9, 8 Central, yeah. <laughs> uh, on Defiance, or at Grant Bowler. Great. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Matt Lieberman. That's M-A-T-T-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N. I'm also on the Doctor Who after show and the Mad Men after show here on AfterBuzz TV. And you can find sketch comedy at VOYTV.com. Thank you guys so much for yes. watching or listening, and we'll see Thank you next you guys. week. Thank you, everyone. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.